time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, August 17th, 2020. Happy Monday to everybody out there as we get going on another great week of episodes of interviews and shows here on the Get Home Safe podcast. We are here every single Monday through Friday on the Get Home Safe podcast, just trying to put out more guests, good good content, good uh, shows, things that you guys find interesting. Uh, I didn't mention it recently, but we did go well over the 7,000 total plays mark here, and the show just continues to grow. We had some great listenership last week with some of the episodes we did, and it's just really encouraging to see how many people listen to this show uh, daily, weekly, and, and even those who go back and listen to uh, interviews and episodes from the past. It's really fun. I got to say it every single week, every single time I get to talk in front of this microphone, it's just a blast knowing that uh, the listenership continues to grow and the positive feedback I've received from so many people has been absolutely great. Uh, guys, well, a few things from over the weekend. Uh, you know what? I had a rather big golf weekend. I played Friday with some umpires down in San Clemente and then just did a little little par three action on Sunday uh, getting some getting some swings in there in uh, the Long Beach area with a few friends. I don't know how much better I'm getting. I really don't, but I do know I've really enjoyed playing. I played probably more in this week than I have <laughs> the past couple of years. It's so weird golf in that y- you don't necessarily get better at it, but it's it's something you you want to come back and do. You know, when I was practicing basketball or football or baseball, like. Uh, I'd have my bad days, my rough days, but I knew that I was playing and practicing and, you know, getting better at something with golf. I don't always know that, but I try to just smile and have a good time. Know that, uh, you can't take yourself too seriously. You just got to get out there, swing it, try to improve a little bit, maybe hit one good shot, a couple good shots, uh, per, per hole. And, uh, maybe, uh, that'll keep it coming back. We'll see. So try to, gonna try to get back at it this week. Maybe not as much as last week, but, uh, maybe once or twice this week, we shall see. I've talked to a few friends already about playing, uh, some guys that I haven't played with before. And so we'll see, we'll see who's interested to swing the golf clubs around. And I guarantee you, if you play with me, you will not be the worst player by far. Uh, a couple other things over the weekend, big UFC fight, Daniel Cormier and, Stipe Miocic on the heavyweight side of things, heavyweight world championship, uh, not only a rematch, but the third time these guys have fought and it was the rubber match. And I think the judges got it right. Stipe Miocic uh, was just a little bit better than Daniel Cormier, a little bit more consistent. And uh, the big news regarding that fight is that it was Daniel Cormier's last fight in the UFC. He's 41 years old. He's retiring. He walks away with a, a 22 and three record. Two of those losses came to uh, Stipe Majocic, who he lost to on Saturday night. And the other loss in his career was against a light heavyweight, uh, very good fighter, John Jones. So he lost to uh, basically champions, the only three losses he's had over his career. Daniel Cormier himself 
was a two division champion once in the light heavyweight division and also in the heavyweight division. So quite a career he has had. I know it's a tough way to go out with a loss, but he's had a great career. He's been one of the just big names in the sport and he's going to transition into broadcasting, I think, and continue to be a guest commentator on these UFC events. He's done a really good job behind the microphone outside the octagon. And I think he's uh, definitely got Another career, we'll say, uh, in in broadcasting alongside uh, the other UFC broadcasters there. So that uh, was kind of the big news on Saturday night. Not only did Stipe Miocic keep his uh, retain his heavyweight title and uh, probably go down as one of the best heavyweights in all of UFC, but uh, Daniel Cormier, in his loss, did end up uh, retiring after the fight. So best wishes to Daniel Cormier and moving forward. Uh, congrats on a wonderful career. You were always a lot of fun to watch uh, in the octagon and also listen to as we're going to continue to listen to you uh, with some of your commentating and broadcasting during future UFC events. So that was kind of some fun times on Saturday. Another thing I saw over the weekend that uh, I, I chuckled over, it was a pretty serious event, but some of these things these days in 2020, I see and, and I just laugh. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> Sturgis is a motorcycle rally up in Sturgis, South Dakota. I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm not really a fan of it or anything, but I would say it's a rather patriotic crowd. You know, basically a bunch of bikers go up there. It's like a one week event, maybe eight or nine days, something like that. But I would say a pretty patriotic crowd. They've had as many uh, as as seven hundred over seven hundred thousand people attend this event uh, in recent years. Um, probably an average of, of at least over half a million people. So a huge event. Uh, most motorcycle uh, riders know about this. Again, I don't know a whole lot about it. I've heard about it, uh, but but that's about it. Anyway, you want to talk about irony? Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen this clip or read about this, please. Uh, go to a computer, go to your phone, check this out. Absolutely hilarious. Some Antifa idiots go up there to this big Sturgis event and they want to cause a scene. They want to, you know, demonstrate and have their big protest or whatever. I know they're all peaceful people, right? All these, all these Antifa guys. Uh, but you want to talk about irony in the, I hate police Antifa. Who did they end up having to be protected by from <laughs> The crowds that probably would have ripped these guys limb from limb. The police. The police that these guys hate had to basically encircle these Antifa guys after they were, uh, you know, uh, I think arrested, uh, some of them, or at least in handcuffs. I didn't see the whole clip. I just saw a little bit of it. Be sure to check it out. It's really something. And the crowd, the mob just wants to like, you know, they're calling these guys every name in the book. They They want to get after him and, and probably they probably beat him to death quite honestly but there's the police the police surrounding these guys these antifa guys and uh i laughed so hard because i'm like i know this is a serious situation but man you got to talk about true irony that's got to be in the dictionary that picture of those cops protecting uh the, these antifa guys uh <laughs> that were trying to make a big scene and make make their voice heard and more more the crap that antifa does uh, out out in this country daily so that that cheered me up a little bit over the weekend something that pissed me off over the weekend was some news i heard from uh, new york city that they were going to be canceling the uh how do we say this the spotlight tribute that they've been doing uh for the past few years with september 11th 
where they put spotlights kind of up into the air, uh, simulating where the Twin Towers used to be. Well, as we are less than a month away from the 19th anniversary of the September 11th tragedies, uh, that made news over the weekend in saying, yeah, it's unsafe. They, you know, New York City said it's unsafe. Uh, if there's too many health risks during this pandemic for workers to uh, put, put those lights up and to, to uh, pay tribute to those who lost their lives September 11th. I just have one question about this whole uh, policy. I want to know where this safety, unsafe policy, whatever, I don't even know what to call it. I want to know where this policy was during all these riots we saw in New York City, during the peaceful protests. Where, where was this policy that it was unsafe during this pandemic for workers to put up spotlights? We just talked about some irony up in Sturgis, South Dakota. You want to talk about hypocrisy that's just ridiculous. You you think it's unsafe for workers to put up some spotlights in New York City? Make no mistake about it. Whoever came up with that decision, it has nothing to do with safety. No, absolutely not. It's it's the possibility that those spotlights that honor all those fallen people from September 11th, 19 years ago, it's it's the it's the possibility, the slightest hint that there is a support of police. There was a lot of firefighters, first responders, all kinds of people who ran into those buildings that day. And there were also police officers there. And because we're in this current war on cops right now, that you don't want to put up spotlights because it might remind people that police officers did some pretty great things that day. Make no mistake about it. That's what that, that the nonsense was about. Thankfully, somebody, some people... Uh, decided, you know what, Let, let's reinstate this. This isn't a good idea. I am by no means a fan of Governor Cuomo from that city or fr- fam- former Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, but I believe they stepped in and kind of voiced their opinion that it was a bad idea to to go with that. And they said, no, we need to reinstate this. Governor Cuomo of the state uh, of New York, I don't want to misspeak, and former Mayor Bloomberg of New York City. Thank God they stepped in and said, no, that's, you know, we need to make sure these lights are there for September 11th. One of the, to remember and honor, uh, remember one of the worst tragedies in American history on American soil and to remember and honor those who lost their lives, civilians, firefighters, and yes, police officers as well. So whoever's making these decisions as to what is unsafe, you need to walk around the streets in New York City and and, and maybe put up some more flyers of what is unsafe. I I do I really try not to swear on this show, but man, it's it's moments like that I want to lose my mind. Just I the hypocrisy. This stuff drives me absolutely up the wall. I can't tell you, oh. Man, whoever makes those decisions. And and again, not a fan of Cuomo, not a real fan of Bloomberg, but thank God they stepped in and said something and said, and you know what? You know, no, no, no. Whoever made that decision, no, we're going to make sure we have the lights up to honor September 11th. I bet you if it was, well, I'm not even going to it. I bet you if, if these lights symbolize some other cause, I'll let you guys use your imagination. I bet you there would be no unsafe uh, worries there. I guarantee you that. 
Anyway, there's a lot of things I want to talk about this week that I'm going to get into at some point, probably on Wednesday with Bill Barnes. As you guys know, when he's fired up, I'm fired up. And he's gotten me to speak a little bit more freely as times uh, uh, as we interview every week. Because um, I'm tired of, of trying to – I do my very best on this show, guys. You guys know my opinions. You guys know where I stand, I think, on things. Okay, I do my very best to be respectful, especially of those that disagree with me. I say things that I know aren't popular sometimes. Okay, I, I just – I, I got to get it off my chest one way or another. I've tried to limit some of my Facebook and posting and stuff and try can just try to just be like, dude, you have the, the microphone speak into that, speak your mind. But I also try to show respect to people. I know that not everyone who listens to this show agrees with me, definitely doesn't agree with Bill, but I know a lot of listeners do agree with me and do agree with Bill. So I think you can only be the polite, polite police for so long. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to say police. I know that's like a crime in these days to, to say that to, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, so man, I, I know this, you cannot, uh, make everybody happy in this world. You just can't do it. Someone's always going to have something to complain about. Someone's always going to be offended by something. Someone's going to always find something you say, uh, and not look at your values or or the fruits that you possess the pr- pr- um the the fruit you know that that your tree based your tree branches uh produce will say uh they just want to oh you believe in this cause you don't believe in this cause or this or that or this or religion like everyone just wants to uh put paint paint people in a corner put people in a corner paint pictures of everyone uh, one way or another. And it's just, it's part of the problem why we're so divided today. And I really hope somehow, some way that we can get past all this just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you have to uh, hate on each other, but you know what? There's also plenty of people that I disagree with that I absolutely despise. Uh, uh, those are few and far between, but anyway, that's just me rambling away. Letting it get, letting it get away from me a little bit here. Uh, let's get to some positive news over the weekend. Uh, two really good stories that uh, were personal to me. Uh, not, not, I mean, personal friends of mine. Uh, my good friend Todd Carson, who's been on this program, he actually did an episode where he interviewed me. Um, that was a lot of fun. Him and his wife, Carla, have four beautiful children. Their youngest daughter, uh, Heidi, is five months old. Heidi uh, had some uh, issues with her heart recently. Basically, there was an additional vessel in her heart which returns oxygenated blood back to the chamber that is only supposed to hold non-oxygenated blood. That's kind of the summary of what was going on. It's not that uncommon, apparently, what Todd told me, what the doctor said, uh, but it's still, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's heart issues on a human being, especially one that's five months old. Well, anyway, Heidi went in for surgery, and uh, from everything we've heard so far, uh, everything is going well. That was late last week. And everything's going well. Heidi's been a brave little soldier. She's really gotten through, uh, you know, this, the, not only the surgery, but the doctors apparently were surprised that she had been, you know, this happy go lucky little baby for the first five months of her life and not really have um, this heart issue bother her that much until uh, recently. So the doctors are surprised not only in that, but also how well she did after surgery. Uh, it's a slow, long road to recovery all the way. But as of now, things are looking really good for uh, for Heidi. And so my my continued thoughts and prayers out to my good friend, Todd Carson, his wife, Carla, and the entire Carson family. So Heidi, 
I know you're only five months old, but you're inspiring all of us out there. So uh, keep up, keep on keeping on. And uh, you know what? It's definitely, uh, I think it has a lot to do with that Carson last name. So uh, my best to the Carson family and uh, hope to hear more good news very, very soon. Additionally, another good friend of mine, Gabe Morales, who is a Major League Baseball umpire, him and his wife, Michelle, welcomed to the world their first child over the weekend on August 16th, and they welcomed to this world Raymond Alejandro Morales, R-A-M. I texted my friend Gabe when he showed me the picture, sent me the full name. I said, Gabe, great initials, R-A-M, little Raymond. That's my favorite Ram now. That is hands down my favorite Ram. And uh, he chuckled and said, you know what, me too. And that's saying a lot from my good friend Gabe, uh, who's a Raider fan. But uh, I always see the silver lining in things, right? So congrats to my good friend Gabe, his wife Michelle, and uh, little Raymond. Uh, the little Ram he is, R-A-M. That's great stuff. So some positive vibes over the weekend that uh, you know to go with some weird stories, some funny stories, some upsetting stories, a little bit of everything over the weekend. Uh, overall, I think it was uh, a lot of good stuff. And looking forward to more good stuff this week and into next weekend and so on and so on. Well, guys, let me tell you about our guest today. On the program today, we have Edwin Ixta. Edwin is a big fan of this show. He's listened to almost every episode. Uh, He's helped spread the word for me down there at Rio Hondo Prep a little bit. Uh, Edwin is a coach and teacher at Rio Hondo Prep. Works primarily in the junior high department alongside my good friend Devin Drain. Uh, he teaches in the high school level a little bit. I think he teaches kind of all different levels, but uh, one of those full-timers down there at Real Hondo Prep and just doing great things. He's a guy that will tell us about kind of his journey growing up as a as a young kid playing sports and then getting into high school and playing. He was one of those guys that really wasn't into football that much. And then over time, as he got older, maybe grew a little bit bigger, uh, he was like, you know what? This football thing isn't too bad. So uh, interesting story. It's a long interview. Uh, I got talking with Edwin and man, we just kept going. We probably could have talked a whole nother hour. So uh, bear with it. If you need to pause it and come back to it, whatever Uh, I've rambled long enough this morning. So we're going to get to our interview with Mr. Edwin Ixta. And for those of you that follow our social media platforms and follow us putting out pictures of the upcoming guests the day before uh, the, uh, the show is re- or the episode is released. Uh, Edwin had a couple good photos and one of those being of him and, uh, Nick Off- Offerman, uh, who came to a real Hondo prep football game was a, a, a family or a fan of, uh, someone on the other team. But anyway, that is Nick Offerman with Edwin Ixta there, uh, also known as Ron Swanson. So I know, uh, some of the fans uh, out there who love Parks and Rec, I, I hope you you found that a little entertaining. But uh, anyway, we will step away for a quick second, and then we will get right into it with our interview with Mr. Edwin Ixta. Okay, joining us today is Edwin Ixta. Edwin is a teacher at Rio Hondo Prep. He coaches there as well. He's a graduate of the class of 2007, was on the first 11-man football championship uh, with my brother in 2005. He's a big RHP uh, fan. He loves football. He uh, is uh, going to talk to us a little bit about his opinions of of sports opening up, how things have been, and of course, what a a weird year 2020 has been. So let's get right to it. Edwin Ixta, welcome to the program, my friend. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm a huge, huge fan. Are you really? That's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I heard your friend Bill mention on one of his interviews, you know, the, the one listener you know, Will Tarico, who, you know, submitted a question. But no, I, I've, I've really enjoyed 
li- listening to the, to the show. Oh man, I really appreciate that. I, it's when I started, I had no idea who would listen, and I was I'm always kind of been pretty shy. Uh, I don't know about putting my voice out there. And when I, I was, eh, well, you gotta, you gotta get it out there at some point. And I knew there'd be a lot of listeners from RHP and uh, that's what it's kind of turned into as far as our guests go as well. So uh, Will mentioned, yeah, that you told him about the show and, and how did you kind of hear, did you just see it on Facebook one day? Yeah, it must've been on, on some social media. And so I, I think I heard maybe the first episode just the, the day after you had a, I'd recorded it, and then, um, you know, since this since this whole lockdown um, happened, and, and you've been re- putting out more episodes and going on walks with my kids, uh, you know, usually listen to, you know, one one episode at a time uh, during our walk. So it's been it's been fun. Oh man, well I appreciate that, and I gotta know, uh, you know, you're sound like you're a pretty loyal listener. Uh, me and Bill Barnes, we joke about this all the time because he said on his most recent episode, you know. Now he's this reformed Real Hondo prep fan because he's seen all these uh, great things about the school and all these people, and he's glad to hear people are listening to him. But, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that guy? I have him on every week. I know he's not for everyone. He get man, he, he goes – he's a little extreme at times, but, I mean, I enjoy talking to him. What's it like listening to him? You know, if, if, if you just listen to – if you if you listen to one of his episodes, I can I can see why like oh man this guy's you know way too much. But the more you listen, the more you get to know him. You know he's he's just joking around. You know that last episode um, or the last interview interview you had with him. Um, you know he he tried to like you know make that clear, guys. I'm just joking. You know we all need some. We, you know we all need to uh, joke around sometimes. And so um, no, I think I think I think he's hilarious. I will gladly you know have him on our sideline or you know, come to our games, something like that. Throughout the first pitch, sure, in a junior high baseball game, you know, who cares? <laughs> have him come out and do it. Oh, dude, we'll get it. We'll get them all geared up. We'll get a jersey on him, a hat. I mean, we'll, we'll make this happen. Uh, you know, he, we'll make him a, a believer yet in, into a real Hondo prep. So uh, he, he's pretty funny. He, I, I love having him on. And he, he really had influence on me kind of bringing people on and just, you know, seeing where we can take this thing. And, and he's so funny. He talks about, oh, man, you have all these good people on from Real Hondo Prep, and you have me on weekly just foul-mouthed and throwing <laughs> things around. I'm like, yeah, well, you, you bring a little balance to things, Bill. So, well, that's awesome stuff, Edwin. Thank you for listening. Um, it's, it's really motivating to know when you're running this thing that, you know, people are listening, whether it be the morning the show comes out or, you know, a few days later to catch up, whatever the case is. I've tried to stay as current as possible. When I first started, I was like trying to put it all together in the morning and then didn't know anything uh, computer wise or phone wise. And I was trying to get it out by noon. And then I was like, wait a minute, settle down. Let's get this done the night before and then publish it in the morning. So (laughs) just little things along the way. Hopefully you've seen an improvement over time because I know that this first couple, I was probably putting people to sleep and maybe I still am. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> no i think you're doing i think you're doing a great job um it's great you know you're the only one i know who puts out an episode pretty much every day um so but that that's also you know exciting because you know gives me something to listen to um i there's just some guests that you've had who um man i've just enjoyed hearing from because it's been so long you know some of my former teammates uh you know you had danny castro and kevin scarpio um a great hearing from those guys um, a few others that stand out, Maynard Borges, uh, I was a freshman when he was a senior. 
and just really looked up to the guy. You know, he was our academy president, um, followed by his sister um, the next semester. And um, I got to play with him uh, JV soccer. And, you know, he, he wasn't a JV guy, but we just had one team. We just had a, one JV soccer so soccer team. So, he, you know, he was out there as a senior. I was out there as a freshman. And, you know, just, just the, the, the mentorship, the encouragement to go out there and, you know, compete. Um, and, of course, you know, all of our – all of the coaches, you know, having Todd, Mark, Bill Lee especially, man, he had such a, such a huge impact in, um, in those two years that, that, that he coached me. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been great. I've enjoyed, I'm really enjoying all your guests, but, the, you know, those are the ones that stand out. Mr. Baumgartner, haven't heard from that guy in a while, but, um, <laughs> man, that, that guy, he was, um, you know, my, my parents weren't really, um, didn't really attend all my, well, my dad didn't. My dad wasn't in the picture. My mom, you know, came to football games, but, you know, she was just there to socialize and, you know, check things out. Um, so having a guy like Mr. Baumgartner, he wasn't the only one, but a guy like him who, you know, would encourage you before games, after games, to, you know, talk to us on Saturdays and on Sundays. Uh, it, it was awesome having that, you know, father-like figure, um, you know, who's, who's, who's there, who's coaching you up, who's encouraging you. Um, it's a lot of great guests. I've, I've, really, I've really enjoyed it. I'm glad. And I knew that a lot of them would be RHP guys. Uh, people who've gone through the program and it's not just about RHP. It's about seeing where they've gone into their different walks of life and, and doing amazing things. And, you know, I got a little flack early on that it was, you know, the real Hondo prep radio network now, but uh, it's just, it's just the people I knew. And I know a lot of officials as well. Um, and so you just kind of reach out to people. Uh, you were a quick response, which is great. Um, some people are just busy too. I'd like to get more and more people on from different walks of life as well. And we're working on it daily here. Uh, but uh, some people are busy. You know, what's funny, Edwin, is a lot of people get like, they, uh, the people I've asked the past few weeks, they're like, oh, I don't think I'd be that interesting. Or, oh, I, I'm kind of <laughs> awkward. And I'm like, this is not in a front of a huge audience. It's, uh, I've, I've been doing Zoom calls for two weeks now, uh, which is a lot easier. And it's like, it's just a conversation. I mean, you know how to talk to other human beings, right? I mean, come on, it's much easier. So for those for those intimidated to come on here, it's not intimidating. It's just a conversation, man. Come on. It's not that bad. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> so who are some of the other, not to put you on the spot, but who are, you mentioned a few RHP alums uh, outside of Bill, who are some of the other people that really kind of maybe one or two who's, who jumped out at you who were uh, non Real Hondo Prep alumni? Uh, let's see. Um, there was... This this one name this one guy stood out because uh, he was a he was a coral cowboy you know here at Care Youth Thing and I was a coral cowboy. Phil uh, Solis. I think his name was Phil. Yeah, Phil. Um, uh, that one stood out. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed that one. Um, you have a uh, a Padilla. Rich Padilla. Um, yeah, that was that, yeah. Or Tony Padilla. Enjoyed. There was two Padillas. <laughs> one of those. Um, you know, I, I for sure listened to every single um, episode, which you had an RHP, Kayufi guy. Um, heard a lot of Bill Barnes. And then, um, you know, when I, when I can try to catch up on the others. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've listened to a good amount. Uh, awesome. not, I can't say every single one, but 
close. Place. Yeah, Will Will Tarico, man, he threw me for a loop when he said, "I've heard every episode." I'm like, "Wow, you poor guy, that's crazy." <laughs> and there's and there's uh you know no surprise too that that uh, uh, Major Bill Lee his uh, his episode was has still the most plays because uh, it was I could have talked to him in other hours our longest episode hands down and just so much yeah. fun. But we'll we'll get to uh, Bill in a second. Let's go back first, Ed. When we talked about you teaching, you know, at RHP and everything, but kind of where where did your journey begin? How did you get involved? in Care Youth League. I, I love asking that question for people because some are similar, but some of them are, you know, it just happened by chance. So what's the beginning of your, your story with Care Youth League? Yeah, I started in uh, second grade during baseball. Um, I had older cousins that were part of the program and came to Rio uh, before that. So that's how we, our family was familiar, familiar with it, uh, familiar, familiar with the pro- program. Um, but in second grade, um, I had actually done the first year of school, the first part of the year of school in, in Mexico. I was, I, was, I was in Mexico as a second grader. Then we, we, we came out to Omani and so um, jumped right into playing baseball with, uh, with Mr. Lammers. Um, and, I mean, you know Mr. Lammers. How would you describe, how would you describe him? Uh, a fast walker for sure. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know, not, not really, I wouldn't say intense or anything, just like a, uh, Hey, come on, let's, uh, let's, let's get this done. Let's go. Come on. Yes. Guys. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. Not intense. He was, he was gentle. He was a great coach. Um, mm-hmm. I loved, I loved having the Shalammers. Um, and then in third grade, we transitioned into, you know, seeing a different coach and that was, um, I had Mr. Smith. So what can you tell me about Mr. Smith? <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, the, the, well, very opposite of, of uh, Mr. Lammers. <laughs> exactly. We'll say much louder. And uh, his, <laughs> when he would laugh or something like he, I've never heard someone laugh out of frustration so much as Mr. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they are, they are opposites. So I go from, you know, second grade with this, you know, gentle coach. And I, I love, I love Mr. Lammers to, to then Mr. Smith in football and, you know, intense is the, he is intense. And um, in third grade, you know, he didn't really know the guys too well. It's the first time he's, he's, he's seen us. So, and it was my first year playing football. Um, so I show up with, you know, all my gear, brand new stuff. And, you know, Mr. Smith is, is out there and, you know, he, it's a little bit intimidating because he is intense, uh, but we get practice started and it's time for our first tackling drill. And he grabs me by the shoulder pads and, you know, pulls me out so he can demonstrate, you know, a tackling technique. Um, now, I really don't know what happened, but he's showing, you know, the team how it's, how, how to tackle and I'm the dummy. Um, and he, he's, he's getting closer, kind of showing us, you know, how it's done. And Mr. Smith tackles me. I don't know if he fell or tripped or something, but the very first time I got tackled as a little kid was by my coach. And I just remember being on the ground and looking up at the blue sky and, you know, Mr. Smith on top of me and like, what did I get myself into? Like, this is just, this is wild. This is wild. And, um, but you know, I, I stuck with it. I didn't really have a choice. My mom said, you're doing it. Um, and just a few weeks in, I think because I was the, you know, maybe one of the few guys that knew, you know, how to run right or, you know, where left, I don't know. I, I just, you know, 
picked up on things easily, I guess. Um, he made me the quarterback. Um, and like I mentioned before, I was a, a coral cowboy. I mean, what, what do you – what, what, what do you know about the Cowboys? I mean, what kind of reputation did we have? Ah, oh, the, uh, you know what? Uh, not, not very good usually. Uh, I, I don't know how you could take this comment however you'd like. Uh, they usually were okay in soccer for whatever reason. Right. Um, <laughs> but they were, I just remember them being green. And I mm-hmm. remember as someone who was on the Glendora Gators, we were light blue and it always baffled me. Like, why aren't we green? Like we should be green. Although I loved the colors we were, uh, but yeah. the, coral, the coral Cowboys. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say they were the doormat. Uh, <laughs> they were always kind of yeah. cellar dwellers. We'll say. <laughs> well, yeah. Back in the day, you know, the, the teams were, um, they were kind of like based off of where you live, you know, by area. And mm-hmm. so, um, the Coral Cowboys are prim- primarily boys from um, El Monte, which is south of Arcadia, south of where we're at. And, you know, if you're from El Monte, you're, um, you know, it's primarily Hispanic. It's primarily lower or lower middle class. Um, and because, yeah, like you mentioned, we're decent in soccer. It's because we, you know, primarily Hispanic. Um, <laughs> but football, football was rough. I mean, we had no business being out there. Um, and so being a, you know, quarterback in my first year of football on the worst team you know I got, I got that football man and I'm, I'm running I'm running for my life like you know you have you know back then the pirates were so good like those blue jerseys coming after me dude I was mm-hmm. I you know it was survival it was survival mode um I think we won one football game and I I, I remember my dad going out there and like putting me on his shoulders and parading me around the field it was a little a little bit embarrassing but I, you know, I think that's because we won a game mm-hmm. and I might've scored a touchdown or two. Anyway, um, fast forward to my fourth grade season. Um, you know, football's about to start. And I told my mom, I can't, I can't play football. I can't play football. Like between, you know, getting tackled by my coach and, <laughs> you know, you know, running for my life every snap um, during that first football season. Um, so she didn't make me go back. I actually played a, an, an extra year of uh, AYSO soccer out in West Covina. Um, but then I came back for baseball again, and I've, I've, I've been in the program since. Well, I, I gotta say it, it's interesting because, you know, when I think of you, Edwin, I, I think of your times playing and I, I think of you as a football player. Like that's my first thought of you. And I know you played soccer as well and other sports, but that's my first thought of you. So it's interesting to hear that it kind of, you know, you didn't really want to play it, but, but I honestly can't blame you as a young kid getting tackled by adults. And that's probably the least of your worries when you're getting chased by Atlantic pirates all over the field as well. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I felt that way about football throughout all of junior high. I just, I, I hated, I hated it. I hated every moment of it. Um, even in high school, my JV years, I was my freshman year. I don't think I did much. My sophomore year, I kind of had to, um, but then something happened between my sophomore and junior year. Um, that was yeah, the summer of 2005, uh, a, a boys' summer trip year. And for the high school boys, um, that was the year that they took a Europe trip. And I say they because I was not part of that Europe trip. Um, I just didn't have the money to go. So I got to go on a junior high boys' trip with you and, and you know, the, the rest of the junior high group in, in 2005 as a, as a high schooler. And, you know, I was 
a little miserable at first, you know, not going to lie, being with all these junior high kids instead of my, <laughs> with my friends out in the, you know, out in Europe. And, um, but it was that summer, I, you know, I, I, I grew several inches. I put on a, you know, ton of weight and man, when that junior year of football started, I was, uh, like I could, I can kind of have my way with a lot of, a lot of people. That was the first time in my life that <laughs> I was, you know, really enjoying football. Cause I can kind of, you know, do some things that I, I never could. So it took me that long. It took me that long to really, um, enjoy the sport. And, and then just like that, I mean, you snap a finger, you finally start enjoying it and it's gone. I mean, it, it, that's how quick things change. It, it was a quick chance for you to develop and be ready to go. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, two quick seasons, it's gone. So, Absolutely. uh, I mean, as if we've learned anything from 2020 is that things change rather quickly or can. And, and so you got to kind of be ready for anything. Uh, that, that's really interesting, Edwin. Uh, I, I didn't really know that about you. I w- yes, I was on that trip with you in 05. And that was one of, well, I think I did it twice. But there was a couple summers where I, I was in a new role. For me, being on summer trips was a lot different as a coach, as a young leader uh, versus uh, you know, just being out there as a high school kid or whatever. But I will say being a coach, being a leader on that trip specifically, I remember it being a much smoother process because I had you who was actually in my group of guys, I believe uh, you being there as like an older influence. So the junior high kids could see, Hey, you know, this is a couple years from now. This is, this is where you're going to be. And it was a very positive influence. It could, you could have gone a different direction with it. But uh, like you said, you weren't happy at first. But I think overall, it was a good experience and probably a very unique experience, to say the least. Yeah, just, a, just maybe two weeks in, I, I really started to enjoy um, not just the things we did, but also, also the guys. You know, it was just a great group of, of, of guys then. That, that was uh, like Ed Drain and his classmates were in that group. Um, you know, JT Parker, um, and then, oh, uh, the slightly older group, that was, uh, you had uh, Eddie Garcia, Tim Esquera. Yeah. Um, just, just a great group of guys to be around. Um, so I, just a few weeks into it, you know, I, I, I really changed my, changed my attitude because they were just fun guys to be around. And, you know, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, you just had Dave, Dave Hong a little while ago too. Um, <laughs> I got to, um, him and Arthur did the work, the concession truck and, uh, they actually needed a little bit of extra help. So I went in there and helped, you know, with breakfast in the mornings. Uh, I spent a few nights in the concession truck with them as well. Cause that's where they slept and, you know, getting up before everyone else to, to get breakfast going. Um, just really appreciative of, of, you know, hanging out with those guys, being with the junior high group. Um, it was just a lot of fun. It, w- it really was a life-changing trip. <laughs> Would you say because you were older, did that have any influence on kind of you then becoming a young leader and wanting to maybe uh, be a coach and work with, uh, maybe not be so hesitant or anything about going on trips with younger kids that you were then in charge of? Yeah, it's funny because you're, you're, you're kind of like in the trenches with them. I mean, you were <laughs> – I was with them with those guys, you know, every moment of every day. And, you know, just being with them, not necessarily coaching them up or leading yeah. them, just being with them, being, being, a, being a part of, um, of, of their group was, was really refreshing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it influenced, influenced my, my decision to stay and work with kids that age. 
Well, well, it's also interesting is, as I kind of mentioned it, but you know, you could have gone two different ways with that with being with around junior high kids, it, your, your maturity definitely went, went upward. Uh, you you could have gone the other way. You could have, when you're around younger people, you could have maybe uh, lost some maturity and been a little more immature, but uh, I, I can honestly say that uh, I don't remember any situations like that. It was all positive. And I don't even remember you being that upset the first couple of weeks, Edwin, it was a, it was a good time all around. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Edward. So, so growing up, you mentioned a couple coaches in uh, with Coral. And uh, by the way, I mean, I don't want to talk a bunch of soccer, as you, I'm sure you know. But I, I know you're a soccer guy. How, how were your soccer teams on Coral? Were they pretty good? Uh, yeah, we were pretty good. I don't remember winning a championship, but I remember playing in several championship games. Um, and uh, later on, uh, the the Coral team was kind of depleted. We we merged with with an Indian group. And uh, soccer was our thing again. I don't think we won a championship, but man, soccer was was a lot of fun. Um, um, just because, yeah, we, we we the group of guys that I played with, they were they were always pretty solid. Cowboys and Indians meshing together for the uh, the old, <laughs> yeah, the old Christmas colors. Thought. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Well, well, you mentioned Mr. Lammers, Mr. Smith. Who were some of the other influences in your life? Uh, that really stick out and really made an impact on you, Edwin, whether it be junior high or high school, as you kind of transitioned into uh, going to Real Hondo Prep eventually and, and kind of, you know, w- w- what was it like uh, with some of the coaches and, and leaders you had during your uh, adolescent years? Yeah, you know, every every coach really had a, a positive influence, uh, starting in junior high with with Todd. And, man, we just did so much, so much with him and um, really grew to love baseball because of Todd um you know because we had baseball games year-round pretty much and, um it was a tough schedule on playing that many games and playing some really good teams but it was great preparation for for high school and um not just baseball but other sports you know kind of the the, the work ethic, um it takes to you know be successful um in high school I I had Mark Carson primarily in in um as a JV and you know, just a guy that knew how to make things fun. I loved, I loved JV baseball practices. For some reason, those stand out. It was just a lot of fun being on the JV baseball team with, with, with coach Mark. Um, and then moving up to the high school, uh, to the varsity level, um, you know, Mr. Drain was just so, you, you just, you didn't want to disappoint the guy. Um, and um, it was a little intimidating at first, but, you know, the guy just wants to see you succeed. I and mean, that's, that's really what, what he cares about. Um, so the, the things that he, that he would say to us, the, the things that, you know, he, the, the lessons he taught us were just, they were just, they were just incredible. You know, I, I really appreciate being, being coached by him. Mr. Loomis uh, got to, um, he coached me pretty much all four years of, of high school because uh, he did soccer and I did soccer as, you know, in high school. And, um, very detail oriented, very organized. Um, you know, we had this great system going in, in soccer, how we would start practice this routine and um, really focus on the, on the fundamentals, um, not just in soccer, but in baseball. So um, great, great coach. You know, some of the things that he does, I, I still do with the, the junior high guys today. And, uh, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned Bill Lee, uh, you know, such a, such an influential coach. Um, not gonna lie, I, I think uh, I think he might have mentioned it when, when he was on your show that 
you know, not everyone liked him when he was, you know, coaching us. And I was one of those guys because, man, he just, he just worked you like a dog. Um, I just remember one summer camp in particular, we, we would stay out in Ventura at a Motel 6 right next to the beach. And it was just, you know, it was just a really fun time. Um, and we're out on the beach and, you know, we're, 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 we're relaxing, you know, just kind of doing our thing, hanging out, coming it out. And out walks Billy, you know, he came out of nowhere. He wasn't on this trip to start. Yeah. So he must have just driven out there for, for one day. And I just, I knew the moment I saw him, the moment he walked out and, you know, I, I just knew he was going to put us through something bad. We're at the beach. There's water. Here's a former Marine or, you know, he, he was training Marines at the time. Uh, he's coming out and, and he's going he's gonna to work us out. And man, that was, I don't know how long the workout was. It felt like three, four hours. I'm sure it was like 30, 40 minutes. Um, but such an, such an influential coach. Um, I'll never forget uh, something, something he said just clicked. Um, he's working with our, the offensive linemen. And I remember he said, just everything you do, you do with violence and aggression. And of course that made sense in football, but he said, no, no, I'm not talking, I'm not just talking about football. I mean, I mean, in life, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it at a, at 110% because if not, it's just, it's just a waste of time. And to me, that, that just, that just clicked in my head. Like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. There's, there's all these things that, that I was doing, not at 110%. You know, I had to just drop a whole lot of, you know, how to drop those things and just, you know, focus my attention on just these several things. And, you know, I'm going to do them at 110%. And uh, just some words that I just will always, I'll never forget them. Uh, you know, even now, whatever I do, I want to do it at 110%. If I'm playing for my kids, I'm, I'm all in, you know, 110%. <laughs> I want to be all in, um, you know, teaching. Um, I, I want to be 110%, you know, in the moment. I don't want to be sitting on my, you know, on the teacher's desk, you know, doing online shopping. No, I want to be in their face. I want to be fired up 110% um, in whatever I'm doing. Wow. Well, well, Bill Lee, I mean, you talk about influence, uh, just another example <laughs> from some of the things he talked about on this program. And I got to tell you, Edwin, as someone who was tackled by their uh, third grade football coach, <laughs> I mean, did, when you got Mr. Drain, Mr. Loomis, and then, uh, you know, Mr. Lee there, I mean, did any of those thoughts ever come up when, when either of those guys was right in your face screaming at you? Because you know that happened over time, right? Um, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, I think just having, I don't know, having Bill Lee it, as, as a coach and, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I, I don't know. I, I mean, being a part of that 2005 team and, and with the, the great senior leadership, you know, your brother was a part of that group and, you know, mentioned Will Tirico. Um, you know, we were 110% in that moment the, ent the entire year, the entire year. So I know those guys had uh, this goal of winning a championship after losing a championship the year before. You know, that goal of winning a championship, I kind of looked at them and thought, like, okay, guys, really, like, we just lost Landon Goodwell. You know, we just lost a great senior class. You want to go out there and, you know, come on. But, you know, it was just a mentality that had, and it trickled down to, to our group that, you know, we we're just going to attack, you know, every, each day, just, to, just today with violence and aggression and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever happens down the line, you know, 
we'll, we'll see. And uh, just having that mentality really, um, you know, led, led to a, a CIF championship. Um, but, you know, uh, couldn't be done without, without the leadership of those guys and you know, some, some help from our coaches and, and Billy. Oh man, absolutely. Uh, coach. Yeah. Great, great opportunities to work with those guys. And, and yeah, I hear you. I told Will that I told Bill Lee that I told my brother that I said, yeah, it's no disrespect, but that year wasn't supposed to be that way. It was just like, Hey, let's see what happens. And everyone overachieved. It was a great time. And it being the first 11 man championship for real Hondo prep was such a big deal, especially after being so close the year before. Uh, and having all these eight-man championships, you know, it was like almost this validation of the program, which uh, I I still talk, I brag about it today, and people are like, "Oh yeah, here you go talking real football again." But no, I, I'm very proud of it, and and you should be as well, Edwin. I know you are, and, and you played with some great guys. I mean, I I know my brother's class above you, but I mean, uh, just a few off uh, Pete Amundsen, uh, Mike Galvan. Those were some football players, man. Those guys. I loved watching them play. They were kind of just quiet, but they were nasty, dude. They were some, oh man, they were good football players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I think was, he was, you know, the, the best athlete out of our class. He played varsity for three years. Um, just a just solid fullback. He was, he was so good. He was just a great blocker. He was so smart. A great middle linebacker. Made a lot of plays. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Pete Amundsen, just a beast of a dude. Uh, he's just, he's just, I mean, even now he's just massive. He's just, he's just so strong. Um, but you, you know, you had, you had, I, I think I include myself as a role player just cause you know, we, we had a small part to, to, to do. And I had other classmates like, you know, James Corsini who, uh, you know, developed linebacker, um, Joe Padilla, man, he was just explosive. James, he was, you know, a lot of fun to, to watch him run the football, catch, catch the football. Um, Josh Hernandez ended up being our quarterback our senior year. Um, yeah, Sean Piper, another great, you know, role guy, you know, uh, great DB, good, good receiver. Yeah. yeah. Just, a, just a fun, a fun group to be around. And like you said, we had no business, you know, <laughs> being out there against some of the teams that we played, but uh, our class actually um, starting in that 2005 season, we didn't, we, I think we had the sec. We've had the second longest win streak in uh, eleven man in our eleven man history, um, because you know we lost in, early in two thousand five. We you know won the rest of those games, and then in our two thousand six season, we we won our first what was it eight games, nine games, um, lost to Poly, and then lost in the first round of playoffs. Um, but yeah, we won a lot of football games. It was a great group of guys to to uh, to play with. There's nothing quite like your, your classmates and you play with class above you, below you, maybe a couple classes either direction, but the guys you uh, see every day in the classroom and just kind of go through the different grades with, it's really special at real because the class sizes are so small and you just dropped some names on me there that took me back, man. Yeah. Each and every one of those guys you mentioned, uh, great athletes, but, but great guys overall, you just kind of knew what you were getting from each of them. And it's got to be fun just to reflect on those days. And uh, I know for me, it's the same way. Everyone I've talked to, they bring up names uh, like, like they're yesterday. And you may not even have talked to those guys in a long time, but it still feels like right. yesterday, right? All this stuff. Well, well, Edwin, if you could tell me specifically from the 05 year, and, and maybe it's when the clock went to triple zeros and you guys were the CIF champs, but because that was such a special year, the very first time, I mean, what can you tell me about, 
what what was kind of your favorite memory from that time? And and if you want to go a pick another year too, that's fine. But just what what was your kind of a fond memory from uh, that 05 championship season? Or you know, I'll, I'll let you uh, choose something else if you like. But what what can you tell me? Um, yeah. So the our our first big win after that loss and that our only loss that season was against Maranatha, and you know. Just it was, the game was, I think, 50 to zero. You know, that game stands out because, you know, after that loss, you had some people mention how tough Coach Bill was, was on us after that loss. Um, I remember him speaking at our team dinner uh, that week, and I think we were at the culture home. And, you know, just some of the things he said, like, you know, this dude, this dude is, this dude is right. Like, we did, we, we, we did not play well. And the, you know, the, the responsibility falls on us to, you know, um, <clears throat> get better and represent, you know, RHP and, you know, turn things around. Um, and then going into playoffs, you know, we had a, we had a pretty easy, you know, opener. Um, the, our second round game was a little tougher and then going up against St. Margaret's uh, one of the, I believe greatest games in, in our 11 man history, because this is a, a high power, high octane offense. You know, they were a, they were yeah. <clears throat> kind of like uh, maybe the, something like the Kansas city chiefs, you know, they threw <laughs> the ball really well. Um, just, I mean, <clears throat> they are a still a historic football program. You know, yeah. one of the best small schools um, in the state and winning that game in the fashion that we did, it was, it was really special. At that point, I, I kind of knew, like, man, this is like – I know we talked about winning a championship, but now it's, now it's real. We're going to the championship game. <clears throat> and, you know, at that point, it's, it's just going to be a toss-up, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, going out to um, play Campbell Hall, what a what – a, I just remember – I think someone mentioned it earlier, too. It goes by so fast. You know, you're in that game, and it, it just – it goes by so fast. And – um, it was a dog fight and, you know, we were, we were, I think Campbell Hall had like 400 yards of total offense, 400 plus yards. We had like 120. <laughs> um, if you watch that game film, you know, it's, it, we were not very impressive. Um, you know, they were, they were marching down the field and they just couldn't punch it in. There was five turnovers for us that game in which, you know, we were on the, on the right side of. Um, that ended up being the big difference there and, you know, eking out a win. Um, but man, what a, you know, what a special game. Um, being, being that, that was really my, the first year where I really enjoyed football. I, I did not uh, appreciate it enough. Just to give me an example, after that, after that, that win, you know, everyone's going around and taking pictures with their family or with, with the championship plaque and everything. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I just, like it really didn't hit me that we just won a CAF championship. Um, so I'm trying to look through pictures like, man, if I have a picture with like my family or with the, the plaque or something, no, nothing, nothing. It just, wow. <laughs> I have a picture with my classmates and you know, the big team picture, I really didn't appreciate it. Um, just cause it was, you know, I consider it my, you know, my first year really playing football. Um, but yeah, it was just, just, a, I know, I know you, we've talked about this so much time on your this 2005 <laughs> season. Um, but man, it's it's awesome to see your name on a banner, not just because you know it's going to be up there for a long time, but I get to tell the story of you know what, you know what a what 
what you can accomplish when a, when a team really focuses yeah. and dials in on, on, on one goal and the things that God did for us that year. It's, I love sharing the story. You know, we weren't that impressive of a team, the greatest team in our history, none of those things. But to be able to share that with others, that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about, man. And you bring up some great points. Uh, you know, hey, first of all, Ben, don't break. That's always, uh, that's always a motto, I think, for football, but, but for life for sure, especially kind of what we're going through these days. And, and yeah, it's not about total yards and all these other things. It's about points. I mean, a 10 to 7 ball game, something I'll never forget. And, and yeah, you talk about looking at the banner and having a story to tell. I remember as a kid, I used to love hearing my coaches uh, my older coaches, Mr. Shintaku, and, and then on the other teams, Mr. Uh, you know, uh, Weidman, and them talking about their games in like the 1970s, watching that old 1977 CIF championship game, like having that story and then hearing the backstories behind it all. That's, that's a, a big reason uh, why sports are great. Yeah. Uh, especially at, at RHP and everything. So, so Edwin, you, you're, you're still involved in, in Real Hondo Prep. You're on the sidelines for varsity games, uh, just kind of helping out, doing whatever uh, needs to be done, uh, kind of just observing, if you will. But, I mean, if you could sum up, I ask a lot of guys this. Um, you talked about your playing experiences, but what can you tell me about RHP football? Like, why is it special? Uh, why, is it, uh, why is it different? from the other sports? Why is Real Hondo Prep football, why does it stand out in the San Gabriel Valley and the state of California? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I've, I've thought a lot about this question because, uh, you know, sometimes we, we say that we say the, the typical cliche things and that that's not really unique to um, our program. You know, other, pro, other football programs, you know, there's this sense of brotherhood, uh, the sense of camaraderie. I, I don't think those things are, um, fall short of, of what it is to be play at, you know, football at RHP. I think it's, I think it's a commitment to excellence in, on the field, in the classroom. Um, personally, this commitment to excellence that, um, and it, it just, it doesn't happen during just football season. It is the entire year for four, five, or six years. I think that's what really makes Rio Hondo Prep unique and Rio Hondo Prep football is that there's this, this, this real commitment to being an excellent individual in mind and spirit. Um, and of course, we, we accomplish that best through football. It is the ultimate team sport. Um, you know, you play with these guys on your team for, many, many years, um, and you're really a part of this team throughout all of junior high and high school. Um, so you know, you're not just with this group of guys building this bond for this, you know, football season or these two years of football. It, you know, for a lot of guys, it's, it's six years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, two, because of those two years of junior high and the four years of high school. Um, that's really what makes it, what makes it special. Um, and you have coaches teachers and leaders who are you know all in fully committed to watch you succeed in those three phases and I, I really think that's that's what separates Rio Hondo Prep and Rio Hondo, Rio Hondo Prep football from from other programs um, is that commitment to excellence. Well said sir very well said and and you know something I just thought about that I haven't really thought about before but 
I would say 95% of the time, 99, maybe even, and maybe it's a hundred. I don't know, but every coach there, every, I don't know any other program that could say that every single coach on the sideline. Uh, and again, maybe there's some uh, uh, exceptions. Every single one of them played for Rejondo prep. I mean, I can't think of another program that has that on the coaching staff, you know, five guys or have 10, however many coaches are on a football program and right. everybody, the trainer, the, the coaches, I mean, the, everyone top to bottom in, involved on the sideline basically has been in Real Hondo prep and played football for the program. So that's very unique in the sense that you're carrying on a tradition as well. And, and we, we kind of talked off the air jokingly, you know, you said about like six years of, of, uh, uh, commitment and everything and and kids who play and carry youth league you know they they look up to guys in rio and everything but what's funny is man the x I, the x33 the play you learn when you're a first grader <laughs> second grader in care you still see it you see it in varsity games it still works for some reason i know it has a different name now scissors 35 or whatever the play is called but man just the, the the two running backs crossing fake to one and give to the other it still works in the 11 man days uh, and, you know, you got the real Hondo prep sweep as well, the little quick pitches and everything. But it's just hilarious to see that something has lasted for so long. A couple, a handful of plays still work no matter what year it is. And no matter whether it's fourth grade, eighth grade or varsity football. I mean, these are things you see and you're like, yeah, that's that's got uh, RHP handwriting all over it. It's hilarious to me. Yep. I, I've, I've yet to see another team at any level do do a scissors play like we do and yeah you're right it's it's just weird that it works you know almost every time i'm not going to give away the the you know trade secrets to why it works but you know it, mm -hmm. it just does <laughs> yeah oh great stuff and we talked a little before also edwin about you know um a, a couple different things and kind of to to continue with our rhp story uh we'll, we'll first talk about uh, mr robert bray uh, Mr. Robert Bray has been involved in the program a long time. He's, uh, he films all the games. He does other sports as well, but I think he has a really uh, big influence on the football program. Uh, you end up marrying his daughter, Michaela. So you yeah. married, uh, you know, into the Bray family, a special group of people. Uh, they have uh, ties to family history in Arkansas. Uh, just very kind people who would give you the shirt off their back. And I know you and Mr. Bray talk a lot of real Hondo prep football, right? And the history of it and kind of the different, uh, what would you call eras maybe, if you will? Yeah. Um, you know, just, <clears throat> it started with Mark, uh, coach Mark asking us to kind of, uh, um, uh, take a total win loss records of, of, you know, our days in 11 man. And, and he was kind of one, one to figure out like how we did against local, uh, San Gabriel Valley teams. And so we, you know, we have a winning record against uh, almost every team that we play uh, more than once. Um, but looking at the, at the big picture, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, this is, you know, just an unofficial, you know, history in, on my part, but uh, th there's, there's like three eras of, of RHP football in the 11 man era that are, you know, pretty unique. So it started with, uh, you know, your senior year was that a 2002, I believe. Yeah, the 2002 season, yeah. Yeah, 2002 um, to about the year 2007. I'm going to call that the, uh, the, the, the transition era. Okay. In which, you know, we're such a dominant eight-man program and then, you know, switching over to 11-man um, 
at least when I played 11 man, our offense was very uh, pro style, the, you know, pro style offense. Um, another, another uh, uh, key part of, of that era was uh, transitioning to, to this new uh, three, five defense that we run uh, led by Mark Carson. Um, yeah, we won one title out of that um, um, during that time, but yeah, made it to a championship the year before. It's just a, you know, transitioning from eleven man, from eight man to eleven man. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call those, you know, five, six seasons of football as a transitional era, and then starting in 2008. Um, I don't know what you want to call the era. Let's call it the uh, the we're here era. Okay. Um, it's you know now 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 we're letting other people know like okay you know arch arch prep you know we're here we're 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 back to our you know dominance like we were in eight man um we we that's what we brought in a um new offensive coordinator in in randy johnson he kind of you know took this eight man playbook and you know made it work for 11 man it's a you know really dynamic really um um very very quick type offense um, that's also the, the the time we brought in uh, black uniforms, black helmets. You know, that was in 2008. Um, we won four titles in this era: 2008, 2009, 2011, 2012. Wait, I think we won three titles, but we made it to champion to the championship four times um, during this during this era. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll call that the uh, the we're here era. And um, right now we're at the beginning of I would say a third era um don't know which one to call it but it's it's definitely uh different because we're we're, we're now under this uh, competitive equity model in which we're gonna have to face you know much bigger you know teams in the playoffs um uh having Mark Carson now as a, as a head coach um it's it's I think it's a start of of something new and and you know we've done really well so far um you know, it's, it is tough. I think over the last four or five seasons going up against these, you know, big public schools in, in the playoffs, you know, it's, it's tough, but that's, it's just, this is how it's going to be from now on. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. How about, how about the step up era? I mean, that's just something off the top of my head that, you know, it is time to step up a level, a division, if you will, but we'll put, you know, it's, it's something that, it's a challenge and, and you can, you can sit there and give reasons why it shouldn't be happening, but you still got to kick the ball off. Like once the ball's kicked, nobody cares. Nobody cares that your school is less than a hundred kids and you're playing a school with thousands of kids. No one cares about that. So right. you can either continue to talk about it or practice and step your game up, which Rio has done. I've loved what they've done the past few years. And it's been tough playing schools yeah. like Artesia, Hawthorne High, uh, last year losing to Harupa Hills. I mean, uh, these are not easy opponents. And should they be in the same division? Probably not. But you know what? It, it's I think Rio's up for the challenge and the program has excelled and in eight man, they played schools a lot bigger than them. And in, in 11 man, they, they competed against schools bigger than them. So if you want to take the program to the next level and really make this program, uh, not just uh, statewide known, but maybe even nationally known, who knows? Uh, you know, I, I think Rio's right. in great hands, the Mark Carson, uh, at the helm and the, uh, the momentum the program is getting, uh, currently and in the very near future, I think, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful for some really big things from Rio Hondo prep football. 
yeah, I think we're all looking forward to uh, to big things too. And yeah, it's uh, I like that the step up era. And yeah, we've done a lot of credit to the the coaches in the program because we and and our athletes. You know, they've they've done really well against some some big, um, done really well, gotten really close to to winning some games to you know eventual say I have champions. You know, we're, we're right there. We're right there. I'll never forget something your father-in-law, Mr. Bray, said one time. He was talking about Rio Hondo Prep. I think we were just in a, just talking amongst ourselves. And he said, you know, Rio has this amazing advantage. And I was like, whoa, where's this going? And he said, he said, every, he said, most of the kids on the field, they, they, um, they obviously have played since they were young, most of them but they also have the mindset. They have the mind of a coach and they have a mind, some of them, of a referee. Almost everyone out there has coached and refereed or umpire had been forced to do those things maybe, but mm-hmm. uh, they have that attitude. They, they look at the game completely different. So you look at the game maybe from a better rule standpoint than your average high school kid. You look at it strategically from a better standpoint than your average high school kid from your coaching experience. And so those things, uh, although they may not shine physically, um, it really fits into the, the mental side of things and definitely a reason I could see why teams have been successful recently and in the past. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great point. Uh, yeah. They are kids. They are, they are students of the game. And like you said, because, they are coaches. They're also motivators. You know, they motivate these young kids to, you know, do their best and, and, um, uh, you know, succeed. And so they do a good job of, of, you know, motivating each other. They know how to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, um, a lot of teenagers, they, they don't, they don't know how to do that unless, um, you know, they get yelled at by their coaches. So they're going to yell <laughs> at each other too. It's like, no, it's, uh, it's, it's different. It's different at RHP. They definitely, they definitely do it, do it the right way. No, amen to that. Well, well, Edwin, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the uh, Rihondo football and everything, but uh, you, you currently still teach at Rio, you coach in the junior high department, but what was it like after high school for you in college, uh, being in RHLA? Did you know that you wanted to get into coaching and teaching, or was that something you were just trying out in your college years? When did you ultimately decide that you were going to be someone who would have influence in a classroom as a teacher and then I think coaching kind of went hand in hand with that, but was there some decision-making you had to do in college or did that all just kind of come naturally? Um, no, there, there were a lot of, a lot of forks in the road and I'll, I'll go back to, you know, the words of Bill Lee, you know, do everything with violence and aggression. Um, I, I had a different, di- different path, but whatever I was doing, I wanted to do it at 110%. So um Coaching in RHLA, man, it was a lot of work, but I was all in and I loved doing it. So I knew I wanted to continue coaching. Um, during my early college years, I also started to uh, tutor a good amount of kids. And man, tutoring is great because it, you know, it bring, brings in a lot of money, you know. <laughs> and, um, and I felt like, you know, I was doing the impossible with some kids. I was helping some kids out who had, you know, no business passing a class and, you know, all of a sudden they're passing. And um, I was, again, 110% in on tutoring, doing, you know, four or five hours in an afternoon. Um, you know, I, I learned then, like, hey, maybe, you know, I think I'm good at this. I, I think I'm, um, I'm, I'm helping these kids out. Um, and I'm doing it effectively and I'm seeing good results and they're enjoying it and I'm enjoying it. 
Um, so I didn't really plan on teaching, but, you know, doing the tutoring and, you know, doing it in 110%. And then when I was, you know, being offered an opportunity to teach, you know, it just, the timing was just right. I just, I, you know, I just went in and went in all in 110%. And so that's, that's really how, how, you know, I got to where I'm at. <laughs> well, you, you teach uh, Spanish and you also teach a little math uh, as far as algebra goes. So uh, what are the ages you primarily work with at Rio in the classroom? Um, it's mostly high school um, and pretty much all grades. Um, I guess mostly lower classmen and then some upperclassmen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly, mostly teaching in the high school and then, you know, coaching in junior high afterwards I get to see I get to see a whole lot of them uh, they get to see a whole lot of me which I know they're not always happy about but uh I, I'm loving it I'm loving it well so you work with high school kids you're working with junior high kids I mean, it's, a, it's a fun age it takes you back I'm sure to your days and, and and Edwin what what has it been like as far as coaching in the junior high department you're, you're working hand in hand with a good friend of mine guy I grew up with Devin Drain uh I, I mean kind of what's it like on a day-to-day -day basis being out there uh, I don't know if you have as much of a hands-on approach as he does in, in, in involvement, but what's it like working in the athletics of the junior high department? Uh, it, it's a blast. Um, I, I, I like to remind ourselves that, Hey, we, you know, we have the best job at RHP and care youth league uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but yeah, working with these, with these uh, junior high guys and just working with, working with Devin, um, you know, we work really well with each other Um I'm the, I'm definitely the lesser half of the group. Um, but we've been at it for, what is it? Six. I think this is our seventh year. Um, it's, it's different than when, you know, Todd Carson was in charge. Um, you know, I just remember at one point, you know, the junior high department had Todd and like four or five RHLA guys helping out. <laughs> it's just, it's been the two of us, you know, for the last six years. Um, and so we've, we've learned a lot um, um, during that time, how to be um, as efficient as possible, um, take advantage of quality time over quantity, um, but also just building a program around us that's there to, 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 to help out our mission. You know, there, there is a, a third being in that group and that it's, 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 it's this program. We're trying to build this program um, so that, you know, we can do, you know, we can be in there working with the boys, um, as much as, as much as we can and, and effective with that time. Um, so it's, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun, um, going on trips with, uh, with Devin and these junior high guys. It, it's just so, it's so much fun. It's so refreshing. Uh, I'm still fired up about it. I, I, I get asked every once in a while, like, you know, Hey, are you still doing all right? You still, you're still good. I think cause you know, working junior high guys, man, it's a, it's a load, but I'm still, I'm maybe more fired up year seven than I was year one. Oh, outstanding. I mean, I, I had the opportunity to do that and I did it four years and you're right. It was full time and it was uh, helping out with Todd and me and a couple other assistant coaches and everything. Uh, so for it to just be kind of you and Devin running things, uh, is, uh, I'm sure a challenge, uh, but I, I wouldn't trade those years, uh, ever, uh, I wouldn't trade them at all. I mean, it was just a great time. Uh, you're very busy. I know that. And, and now that, you know, you're married now and have a, have a, uh, a kid also, Edwin, I mean, that's gotta, 
uh, that's got to be a blessing, but also kind of add to some of the challenges in, in staying as involved as you are too, right? Right. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, you have to, you have to find a good balance and, um, you know, both of us have, have kids now. And so, um, and it's been good because we also understand, you know, our, the, the, the boys that we work with and their families, they're also busy too. You know, they're, they're working long, late hours, um, you know, so they value their time off as well. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think we, we've, we've, we've found a good balance and, uh, you know, we don't want to wear ourselves out. We want to keep doing this and, you know, provide a great product day in and day out. Um, so it's, yeah, but it's, you know, I think we're, we're in a good spot right now. We're in a good place. Very cool. And, and I got to ask, you know, I, I kind of asked this with a few different teachers and coaches, uh, you know, about kids these days, like you work with high school kids, you work with junior high kids in the year 2020. And I know there's some distance learning and everything now, but do, do you see a difference kind of in kids these days with the distractions and everything that, that's out there for them? Is it, is it is a lot different than kind of when you and I were growing up? I mean, what can you speak on to as far as working with kids on a daily basis today? Has it been more challenging? Has it been more rewarding? I mean, uh, take us through what it's like working with teenagers these days. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It's very different, but it's also very, very similar. Now, um, just before I go into the details, it's, um, you know, when, when I was a, when I was in their shoes, you know, <laughs> we would hear it like, you know, back in my day, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's, it's like, <laughs> dude, it, it, it's, it's just not going to end. You know, mm-hmm. this generation is different and, you know, well, my generation was different too, you know. Um, we, we, we might call them soft. Um, look, I, I was a softie too, man. You know, my coach tackled me on accident. I was done playing football. I did not <laughs> like football until my junior year. You know, I was not about it. You know, really not that different than, than us. Yeah. Um, now, the, the technology, that part, you know, it's changed so dramatically in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So, of course, you know, that that has, you know, had a lot of influence, but it can be a positive influence too. And, uh, you know, one of the challenges of working with kids that during this time is we have to educate them on, um, you know, the, 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 the benefits, but also the dangers of in technology. And that's a little weird because, you know, we didn't grow up with it necessarily. And, but now we have to, you know, do a quick catch up on what's going on, you know, what's current these days, what are they doing and try to educate them and, you know, make good decisions and, and, and all those things. Um, so that part definitely is very, very different. Um, but they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're pretty similar. They're, they're, yeah. they were kids, they're kids just like, you know, when I was in eighth grade, it's really not that different. You know, I think we've talked about how, you know, oh, back when I was a kid, you know, we spent all this time outdoors. They, you know, <laughs> you didn't come in the house until the, you know, mom called you and all that. You know, they, they, they still do that. You know, yeah. they're, they're still, I, I think we, we think that back in our day, things were a whole lot different, but in reality, it's, it's, it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. I'll just give you an example here. You know, when, two years out of, out of high school, you know, I like to think back on my high school years is I was, you know, just a dominant football player. And we had such a great team and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Looking back at the film, like, okay, look, we weren't that good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, we, you know, we, we, we managed to, you know, 
uh, do some things that, you know, I know people didn't think, um, you know, we would do a whole lot, but, you know, we really, we really weren't that good. I think it's, <laughs> it's similar. It's similar now. We like to see, you know, sometimes we, we look at the kids on the field and like, man, th- things just, you know, they're not the, the way they used to, they're not the same. Well, they, they are in some sense. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'd like to, you know, give our kids a lot of, um, a lot of a, a credit for being so resilient um, not just with, you know, the, 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 the athletics and the academics, which, you know, especially now the academics, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, t- it's tough right now and a lot of pressure to do well and to get to a good college. It's, it's tough for them. Um, but then to also have to navigate life with technology and all these distractions, um, it, it's, they are a resilient group. I'm, I, I really enjoy working with them. Um, sure. It's, it's different, but, uh, I think the challenges are, um, they, they, they're great challenges to face. And uh, I just, I, I love being there and helping them out with those things. It's a great answer. I mean, you know, you hear, I've asked that a few different times, a few different people and, and you kind of get some similar answers, but no, that's definitely a new one. And, and I think there's some truth to it. I think no matter what age you are, yeah, you're always going to look back. And I don't know if maybe it's because we can't do some of the things that anymore that, that the kids <laughs> can do, like, uh, you know, they can eat whatever they want and they're fine or whether it be they they run fast and I never did. Like, I don't know, maybe it's sometimes we just look back and it's like a defense mechanism for us adults to be like, oh, these kids. But yeah, you never want to be the old man in the room. I know that I'm trying to fight that every single day, but uh, you know, father right, time. It, it, it's, it's, it is a little different when you're, when you're working with them. It's really easy to say all those things when you're not around them. Um, it's really easy to, you know, I'm a millennial. I've, and I've heard it, you know, it's really easy to, to bash on millennials for all these things, but you know, <laughs> unless you're a millennial, you know, it's like, okay, you know, all right, old man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really in a lot of ways, it's, it's the same. And yeah, in some ways it's, it's different. Well, well, Edwin, let's talk about the year 2020 and what has been quite a wild uh, seven months now. We're now into the eighth month. I think, I don't know that there's ever been a six-month period in a year that, uh, at least here in my recent memory, that has happened like this. So, I mean, wh- what do you think about this this crazy year we've had? I mean, it all kind of started back when uh, Kobe Bryant passed away, and we had no idea that that was just the beginning of what was going to be just absolute wildness. So, so what, what do you think about kind of the year we've been having? Yeah, it's been a, man, it's been a, it's been a trying year. Um, you know, your friend Bill Barnes mentioned yeah, since, since Kobe's death is the year is just, it's just, it's just, it's just been awful. It's been awful. Um, I had a friend joke around that it wasn't, it wasn't Kobe's death. It was uh, that that same day that Kobe died. Um, I was a guest speaker here here at our church and gave a gave a message and you know he jokes that was the beginning of the end so um he was giving me a hard time about that and then you know saying things like oh I can't wait for the next one you know what's going to happen then um but um you know, that, that that message um was all about being uh, comfortable being uncomfortable uh, that was that was the theme and it's been great personally because, you know, this was, this was God speaking um, and challenging me on some things. And now I'm right, we're right in the middle of it. You know, we're, we're right in the middle of uncomfortable times. And, um, you know, our, our response, uh, our, our, um, 
you know, the course of actions that we take during this time, it really, really says the most about our character. And yeah, and, you know, yeah, you had, you had a the whole virus, the pandemic, and you know, social unrest, and you know, even, you know, recently with that city in Lebanon, a huge explosion. Oh. It's it's just it hasn't been a great year, um, but you know, it's I think it's where at least personally, I feel like it's, this is where God, God is doing his work. Um, it's, you know, he's asked, he's asking us, challenging us to, to be comfortable during these times. Um, because, uh, like we tell our junior high guys, you know, God's, God's working something out and, and our job is to try to be comfortable in the moment and, and battle through. Um, one of the first things that we talked about with our junior high guys, you know, they, they, they lost their baseball season. Um, and you know, football season's up in the air right now. You know, well, is this a setback or is this an opportunity? You know, we have all this time at home. Um, it, it might feel like prison, but, you know, you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, improve physically. Um, you know, doing some push-ups, doing some running. Uh, opportunity to, uh, you know, finally sit down and read a book. Like, you know, from, you know, first page to last page for, you know, the first time in your life. Um, it's an opportunity to spend quality time with your family you know all these things i've i've um really taken advantage of this time to 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 do some of these things because yeah it's uncomfortable but you know what um got to be comfortable during these times and 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 that's that's really what what god is planning for us yeah i mean god's god's still working um we're not sure how we don't see the end result we don't see the big picture but you know where we're at right now. Um, it it's definitely is an opportunity rather than a setback. Man, that's a that's a great way to look at it. It's a great. I love little catchphrases. I, I try to come up with interesting titles of my podcasts, and, and just I love having little phrases that uh, I can carry with me in my daily daily walk. Also, like yeah, that's a great outlook. Like hey, you you can either complain about it or have a better attitude and, and see how, what you can achieve through this adversity type of thing. So I like that setbacks are opportunities and obviously comfortable being uncomfortable is something that I've carried with me a long time. Uh, it's always stuck with me. It's written on my, uh, you know, well, let's see on my board here. I got control what you can control. I, I mean, all these little things that are really in our power. We can't control what's going on. I, I, none of us can control the, the virus or, you know, when people tell us we can play football or go back to work or any of that. Um, I, I've seen so much negativity this year, whether it be uh, virus or some of the, you know, violent rioting and some of the just hatred amongst each other that has been so like discouraging. And, and so when I mm-hmm. see some uplifting things or talk to uplifting people, it, it, it is so big for me and being able to do this every day. That's a big reason I do it is because I never walk away from talking with someone and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or oh, that, that no, it always makes my day better in talking to people uh, who have great outlooks like that. Uh, Edwin, it's, it's really great stuff. Um, in moving forward, I hope there's more people that continue to have that outlook and not try to uh, divide us, you know, because it's so easy to do that. It's, it is 100% easier to be negative and destructive right. and tear things down than it is to build things up. It, it just is. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we, we try to um, emphasize that with our, 
with our junior high guys, you know, it's, it's going to be easy to go down that route. It's going to be easy to, to complain. It's going to be easy to, you know, uh, look up at God and, and, you know, and, and ask why, and, you know, felt like all this has gotten taken away from you. Um, but that's not the mentality that we, that we should have. Um, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. Uh, we, we got to be comfortable being uncomfortable in these times. <laughs> um, Cause that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're, what we're called to do. Amen, man. Well, I, I think the junior high department's in great hands uh, with, with that, um, with, with preaching like that to the kids and, and you and Devin, I think are doing a great job. Uh, I get to see you guys kind of do some of the work you do every now and then, whether it's uh, just down, down there refereeing or doing something or other, uh, just chatting with Devin quite a bit. So I think you guys are doing great things. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, despite all this, all these obstacles and all these things, I mean, hey, just just stay positive like you're doing, uh, Edwin. Let, let's chat. Let's chat a little bit about sports. Um, with sports reopening, I mean, what are your thoughts? The fact that we were without sports for so long. I don't know how big of a sports fan you are. I'm pretty sure pretty pretty big. You got your New York mm-hmm. Mets Mets hat on there. My That's pick right. to win the World Series. That's uh, right. Let's do it. <laughs> but I mean, just what do you, what do you think about uh, sports opening and the fact that man, the month of August here, we got pretty much whatever you want. And in another month we'll have football and pretty much have everything you want. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, I think the, you know, the NBA, the, uh, the MLS that by using the bubble, I think they're, they're seeing a lot of good results <laughs> in, um, you know, keeping the, the, the virus away and being, being able to play, uh, you know, baseball, we see, we're seeing all these cases, uh, football, I just, uh, you know, I, I, of course I want football to happen, but unless, unless you're, you know, you're really being careful, um, unless there's, uh, you know, clear vision from the top that you look, we, you know, I think that's one, one of the good things that the, the NBA did. It's like, look, they, we have this vision of having the season and this is what it's going to take. It's going to, it's going to take some sacrifice. And, you know, for the most part, those players are buying in and, you know, we're, we're seeing a, we're seeing a, a NBA season. Uh, it's, it's a little, a little harder with, with football and just how many dudes are on those rosters. I, it's going to, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, yeah. Baseball, there's already been a you know, few games delayed because of it. Um, you know, I'm optimistic, but it's, it's going to take, discipline and a, a, a you know clear vision from from each organization from each individual um but yeah it's it's uh, we need sports it's it's we, you've talked about it before it's it, it literally brings people together and you know from all all types of people it's it's really what brings us together um so it, it's it's been a blessing watching you know watching sports i i, I hope we can you know keep it going yeah, I think if you're not going to have the bubble concept, uh, y- you need to be disciplined enough with your athletes, that is, coaches, everybody. Y- you really you can't go anywhere. You just can't, man. You, yeah. you got to uh, – your family, they can't really go – until this thing is really, uh, you know, settled down, I mean, you just got to go to practice, come home. Uh, I don't know, get stuff delivered. I don't know what the, what the answer is. And, and look, at the virus – it, it, there's definitely out there some people 
I, I don't want to get into debates over that. I've seen, I've never seen a virus, a sickness politicized <laughs> like it's been. I, I had no right. idea viruses were this smart uh, that, that they could, they could uh, pick and choose who they infect. Uh, sometimes it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It just drives me crazy. So uh, I could sit here in my, in my dungeon and, and I'm fine with that, but some people I know need to get out. Um, I think sports being back is good. Uh, I think the bubble concept has been kind of the better end of thing. If you're not going to have fans anyway, we know what's the point, but uh, I think football will be the next big step for us to see, okay, we're not only going to have football, but we're going to have a little bit of fans there as well. And, right. and look at, let's make no mistake about it. There's going to be people getting the coronavirus. People are going to get COVID uh, in moving forward. We're not, until we get a vaccine or whatever, that's going to happen. And, and it's, I think it's a matter of limiting it as best you can, right? I mean, uh, that, that to me is the best way in sports going forward. I am happy that Major League Baseball, despite some um, positive tests and everything. They didn't shut the season down. They're continuing mm-hmm. to go forward. I mean, uh, they didn't freak out too much over a few positive tests and uh, you know, away we go. They're still playing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. Uh, um, uh, I think the big test it's, it's coming Yeah, with football, um, not just the NFL, but you know, college football and, you know, college kids and the schools reopening. I, you know, I think we're getting a little, little, little taste of you know what it, what it's like going in the right direction. But I think the big test it's 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 coming. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know September, October, if it's really viable or not. Um, hoping it is. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens for sure. Uh, kind of my other thought with sports, Edwin, is you know there's a lot of controversy surrounding all this stuff right now, and uh, you know I, I'm not a huge fan of kind of political statements being made in sports. Uh, but there's a lot of leagues who have either done it or continue to do it. I'm pretty sure the NFL is going to kind of go in that direction. And I know there's some issues that need to be sorted out here in our country. I, I, I mean, I'm not ignoring anything. But I do think that the po- po- politics being in sports, whatever you want to call it, protesting. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? You don't have to pick a side or anything, but just what are your thoughts on uh, you know, all this stuff being in sports, especially without, without fans right now. And, and just in general. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely unique. Um, um, just cause these, you know, these athletes, they're, they are, they are more than just entertainers. You know, I, I think there's, um, you know, there's been several athletes in, in history who have, who have, you know, try to make that clear. Um, they, they, they're not just, you know, entertainers out there. They, they are people. They are, they do go through things. They do have these feelings, you know, they, they, they do care about these, you know, social issues. Um, so you're starting to see these players, you know, step up and, and speak their minds. And um, that's because, they're, they're, you know, they are more than just athletes. They're, they are more than just entertainers. Um, you know, take Le- LeBron James. I'm not a huge LeBron fan. Um, the guy has changed the game. Um, but he's also changed um, what it's like to, to, to be an athlete because, you know, he was one of the, one of the most prominent guys who, you know, is at the forefront of, of – um, he's, he's a really outspoken guy because, you know, he, he's, he's more than just a, a basketball player. Um, um, 
I think a lot, you know, kind of, kind of all started with him going to the, you know, having the big decision and, and going to the heat. Uh, by the way, that's when I, that's when I totally, you know, became a non, I just was not a fan of, of all of that. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I can see, I can see his side. I can see, you know, look, uh, yeah, that's how Kobe's done it. Played, you know, almost his entire career with the Lakers. You know, that's, that's the right way to do it, quote unquote, right way to do it. But, you know, I, I'm more than just, uh, you know, an athlete. I got to look out for me and my family. And, you know, this, you know, I, I, I don't know. I can, I can see both sides of it. I can also see the side in which, like, you know, these athletes, they are, um, they're, they're empl- you know, they're employees. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would, you know, as an employee, as a, as a school employee, I have to, you know, I have to be professional in, you know, everything that I do. And there's just some things that I, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't just protest, you know, certain yeah. things at, at my workplace or um, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a, there's a, there's a good, there's a good balance. Um, I, I really don't want to pick a side because one, I'm not a pro athlete and, you yeah. know, I'm also not uh, a minority that's had to deal with Well, I, I'm a minority, but you know, I'm a lighter skin minority, so it doesn't really count. You know, I, I'm not a minority that's had to deal with some of these, you know, these issues um i don't know i'm trying to see both sides of it still um you know i i I wish i wish things would um things would change i wish um we can address some issues that that need to be addressed um and i see these athletes who who are trying to push the movement um but right now there's you know there's there's a cost to that and so i i don't you know I don't know. I, I really don't have the answers. Um, yeah. Oh, I think that's fair. I think it's, uh, you bring up some good points and, you know, I don't think anyone has the answers. That's for sure. Uh, I, I do know that, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business and it's like any other business, you know, certain actions have consequences. You never want to alienate your business, your customers will say, so you got to be careful with those things. I mean, I look at it another way. What if, what if some of the things that were being protested were, uh, were something else, some other, let's say at some conservative cause. Uh, I, I don't even, I can't think of something off the top of my head or, you know, what if I, I don't, I don't even want to get into it, but it's just like, it's it just, there's an argument to be made whether certain things have a place in sports. And then the other side of the coin is, well, guys got to use their platform because it speak for others. So right. those are the two probably uh, extreme sides and you got to find a common ground somewhere in the middle to understand each other with those things. So um, right. that's, that's not even specific to the topic, right? That, that a lot of the things are getting protested. That's to me is the outline though. You got, Hey, there's no place for this stuff in sports. And then you got to use your platform for good. So those are kind of the sides if I had to sum it up and that's under any issue really. But as far as a business model, I think you got to remember that you have customers. And I think at times the athletes who are paid a lot of money, they don't see the, the effects because their paychecks aren't affected. It's the owners, Mm -hmm. it's the television, it's all these other people as part of the business where their finances are affected, not so much the players. So I think maybe that's why they're a little bit more uh, open to, to being uh, outspoken on things and everything. Um, Cause I don't see too many guys making kind of the league minimum being the guys that are, cause they're trying to make more money, right? Eventually. And so those are some of my right. thoughts, but 
good, good stuff, Edwin. I appreciate your, your thoughts on that. Uh, being, being open, available to talk about that stuff. I, I do got to ask you, uh, because you're wearing the hat and all, and, and you've mm-hmm. been a Mets fan. What's the story behind the being a fan of the New York Mets? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard you plenty of times, you know, talk about how you know, <laughs> the, the, the teams, in, you're a fan of the teams, you know, in your area. So I'm a Mets fan. Oh, I'm, I'm also a Seahawks fan too, but I'll, you know, I'll get to that next. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, growing up, I, I just, I love sports. I, you know, most kids, I think, grow up watching cartoons. My, you know, my family will tell you I grew up just watching ESPN. Uh, and I was a fan of just sports, period. And there were some athletes that I really liked. Um, but I really didn't have a loyalty to a team because, um, you know, my parents weren't, you know, they came from Mexico. They, they weren't really, you know, they didn't like, a, you know, one team over another. And, you know, also being in L.A., the market's always divided in, in two. There's always two teams for, you know, every, every league. So, you know, Dodger <laughs> fan, Angel fan, I don't know. I just, you know, like baseball. Yeah. Um, but I did like uh, one of my favorite players growing up was Mike Piazza, who, mm. you know, started off as a Dodger. And uh, then we went off to go play to the New York Mets. Um, I also had an older cousin who was a diehard Mets fan and spending a lot of summers at my aunt and uncle's house. And, you know, he would have, uh, you know, Mets schedule up and, you know, always watching Mets games. I just, uh, I, I grew to love the, the, the Mets. Um, also happened to be the first baseball game I went to when I was like two or three years old in New York at <laughs> Shea Stadium. Um, my uncle and his sons, you know, they just took me out on this trip with them. You know, I don't know what they were thinking, but, you know, I was this little guy going to, going to, you know, Mets games. Um, and then there were some, you know, good years where the, the, the Mets were making it to, uh, to the world series. Um, haven't won one in quite a while. Um, but that's kind of the story. Uh, still a Mets fan, um, great bullpen, but, um, man, there's just, it's, it's also hard being a Mets fan. Let me tell you, cause it's just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. We have some really down years. If, you know, we, if we make it into the playoffs, we have a chance you know, we played the Royals in the World Series. I think they're both wild card teams. So, you know, once you're in, you know, anything goes. So I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, this year, as long as they get in, you know, make something happen. Uh, you gave your endorsement endorsement of the, the Mets winning the World Series. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's go Mets. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, but what's probably more interesting is how, um, you know, being a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, because, you know, LA didn't have a, a football team for a, for a while. And I, you know, I love football. So, you know, Sunday, Saturdays and Sundays, I'd just be watching football all the time. Um, and then I got engaged and, you know, I had my fiance, now my wife say things like, you know, it's just, that's too much football. We got to, we got to tone it down. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. You know, we, we uh, finally, you know, settled on, uh, you know, maybe watching one, one game on Sunday. Like, okay, okay, fine. But then I had an idea. Matt, and this is brilliant. Like, what if, hey, honey, you know, what, what if you pick like a team to, you know, cheer for? Or what if we, you know, what if you pick an NFL team to, you know, root for? You know, maybe once, one time out of the year, we'd go out and watch a game. You know, wouldn't that be great? And she was open to that idea. So we spent a summer trying to figure out, hey, what's going to be our NFL team? Because no one was in town. Uh, we weren't really a fan of the Chargers. Uh, definitely not the Niners, um, but every other team after that, you know, we were, we were, we were open to. And uh, 
So kind of had this, all these deliberations and hey, we settled on the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they had this, you know, coach from USC that we knew. Uh, Russell Wilson was just, you know, just not just a great quarterback, but just a great dude overall. Um, you know, Marshawn Lynch, like one of the most electric, you know, exciting running backs, just a character too. <laughs> so we settled on, you know, okay, we're going to cheer for the Seahawks. And this was the summer of 2013, I think, or 14. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that season, what did the Seahawks do? They win the Super Bowl. And, you know, they, dis- they just destroy the, the Broncos. So, you know, we were Seahawks fans before they, you know, went to two straight Super Bowls. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, a few years ago when we found out the Rams were coming back to L.A., I proposed to my wife, like, hey, uh, maybe we should become Rams fans. You know, now that they're in town, we can go to games and stuff. And she said, nope, I, we're, not, we're not Rams fans anymore. So now we're Seahawks fans. And, you know, that's, that's kind of our, our story. Michaela, come on, Michaela, you're killing me. (laughs) But now we get to watch like a little bit more football on Sundays. You know, Mm -hmm. I've gotten her to play fantasy football too. We have a family league. So now she's a little bit more into it. You know, I can watch more than one game on Sundays. But that's, that's, that's the story between, you know, how we're Seahawks fans and, you know, I'm a Mets fan. My, uh, the Braves are, are Angel fans. So, you know, I guess like, okay, you know, we can go to Angel games and, you know, buy the kids angel gear that's fine you know the Mets only come around you know once or twice a year we'll go to more angels games but uh yeah that's that's our that's our story it's, it's hard being a fan in in LA because there's yeah like I said there's just two teams for for every sport you know mm-hmm. um always been a Laker fan I, and um uh, fan of Kobe Bryant man my favorite my, my favorite athlete just the mama mentality I'm all about it um yeah. Awesome stuff, man. I really appreciate you telling the story. Yeah. Hey, I respect anyone who's got a story, some type of connection. <laughs> That's an interesting one. I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, Random, you know, Seahawks and you win the title the first year. That's interesting. But, uh, yeah. ah, oh man. Yeah. You got LA Rams, man. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll be sharing <laughs> some tried. text. I tried. <laughs> Two, twice a year. We'll be sending some text messages or so here chatting Rams yep. Seahawks football. It's a great rivalry, man. I love it. Yeah, it I is. absolutely love it. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Niners, uh, all good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll see about baseball and the Braves. Yeah. They've been loyal to those angels. They love their angels, baseball family. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Do, do they still follow Arkansas football at, at all? Or uh, I don't think so a whole lot, but uh yeah, like like uh, you had Tom Bragger on. If you're, you know, when you go out and visit family, they're all about Arkansas football. <laughs> Everyone is. Um, but you know, we'll keep up. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll mention the score. It hasn't been, you know, last few years haven't been great for the Razorbacks. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep up with them. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Edwin, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we talked a lot of real Hondo football, a lot, a lot of real Hondo football, and then some uh, some sports here towards the end. Uh, I could talk with you another 30 minutes or so, but uh, I know we should probably wrap it up here. So maybe we'll have another interview down the road, especially someone who's a loyal listener like yourself. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to talk some soccer uh, next time. (laughs) Might have to have Renzo be my uh, guest host or something when that happens. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe I'll take a vacation day or something. I don't know. Uh, Good stuff, man. Well, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, just a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon, huh?
All right. Yeah. Look, look forward to it. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. Another big thank you to Edwin Ixta. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for chatting with us. And you know what? It was a long time, but it was also a really good time. So we could have kept talking longer, but we had to wrap it up eventually. So Edwin, thank you for all the great work you're doing at Real Hondo Prep, working with kids in the classroom, working with them on the ball fields, doing great things. And yeah, I think we may have to make that first pitch with Mr. Bill Barnes happen, uh, maybe in the junior high uh, department or, or whatever. Whatever the case may be, maybe a high school game. I think it's a great idea. Let's make it happen. Uh, thanks again, Edwin. It was great catching up with you and all the best to you and the family and moving forward. Well, guys, tomorrow on the program, we will be joined by Mike Salas. I used to officiate high school basketball with Mike Salas. He also works college basketball on the women's side of things. So we'll talk about maybe some of the differences there in high school versus college and basketball officiating, kind of what his journey has been like getting involved in that. He works for the city of Baldwin Park. He's a huge Rams fan, season ticket holder since they came back here in 2016. And he is also someone who is a very avid golfer. He plays, I don't know, three times a week or something like that. He's very good. He swings it well. Uh, I'm having him on the show maybe to get a little little of that uh, swing magic he has just to kind of come through the airwaves, if you will, so that I can uh, maybe swing it a little bit better here in the upcoming future. We're going to talk a lot of Rams football. We're going to talk uh, some Dodger baseball. Mike's a big Dodger baseball fan. And, of course, he's very proud of all three of his daughters, one of them being a graduate from the Air Force Academy, uh, all of them being athletes in their high school and even college days. So Mike's got a lot to talk about tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun catching up with him, talking basketball, officiating, Rams football, Dodger baseball, and, of course, some golf. So be sure to tune in tomorrow and join us for a fun conversation with Mike Salas on Tuesday. Guys, that'll wrap up this uh, today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. I thought it was, we were off to a great start here on Monday with Edwin Ixta. Thanks again, Edwin. That was a lot of fun. We got some great shows coming up for you. Not just Mike Salas, but Bill Barnes on Wednesday and a couple more great episodes on Thursday and Friday. I will tell you all about those later in the week, but I can promise you another good slate of guests and a lot of fun ahead here on the Get Home Safe podcast. As always, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe. Get Home Safe, excuse me, Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. I've heard from a few guests uh, last week and over the weekend, some great suggestions, some great uh, questions regarding some content and even some some thoughts on the Suds with Studs segment we have on Fridays where we honor heroes, talk about law enforcement, uh, members of the military, and just kind of tell uh, brief summaries of stories that are inspiring and just to honor bravery, heroism, uh, courage, all those good things. So heard, heard from a few fans regarding that. Heard from a few uh, listeners about coming on the program as well. So looking forward to more and more people tuning in uh, to listen to our shows, but also those reaching out to me, whether it be through uh, email, whether it be through social media, a text message works, whatever the case may be. We love hearing from you just like you hear from us Monday through Friday here on the Get Home Safe podcast. There's also an option. I keep preaching this. If you'd like to leave a voice message, you can go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. Look for our podcast, Get Home Safe. Go to the green message button. You can leave a, a message uh, through your voice, uh, voice message, recording audio uh, up to one minute, a one minute limit. Uh, it can be anything, a question, suggestion, you want to argue with Bill Barnes, you have some thoughts. Uh, it can be anything. And if you don't want to be 
heard on the podcast, that's fine too. Totally get that. Send us an email. Send us an email saying, hey, ask Bill Barnes this or, hey, tell, tell Bill Barnes, uh, you know what, he's dead wrong. Or uh, Matt Hurston, I want your thoughts on, uh, you know, some other football team other than the Rams <laughs> or whatever, you know. So we love hearing from you. Uh, any content, any suggestions uh, would be great and much appreciated. So if you want to send us an email or you'd like to send us a voice message, any way works. We can also, you can also reach us through our social media platform. We continue to post pictures of the upcoming guests the night before on our social media platform. So that's another reason to follow us just so you can kind of see uh, a, a face with a name uh, and a face with a voice coming up the, the next day. We're going to continue to do that as we move forward. And we are also going to uh, con- push these uh, options for you at the end of our program, just so you are aware. If you're a longtime listener, you probably hear this over and over. But if you're a first time or new listener, uh, I just want to make sure that you hear uh, the options and ways to follow us and uh, be a part of the program one way or another. If you don't want to send me a voice message through the Anchor app or the Anchor website, you can also send me a voice text if you have my cell phone number. That's fine, too. Uh, it's a little more steps for me, but that's totally fine. If it's easier for you, we want to be, uh, we want to make everything a lot easier for those who want to participate. So guys, that will wrap up today's episode. I think we're off to a great start here. Thank you again, Edwin Nixta. Looking forward to our interview with Mike Salas on Tuesday. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe.